Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. Hello and welcome to Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Umaru Sanda Amadou. Tonight I'm here with... Ellen Dapa. And coming up on Eyewitness News tonight... NDC offices in the northern regional capital of Tamale under attack from unidentified gunmen believed to be opposed to the appointment of an acting regional chair who will be going live to get an update on that situation. Also coming up, Youth Employment Agency and Unemployed Nurses Association lock horns over the agency's plan to recruit some 5,000 SHS graduates to help in the CHIPS compounds nationwide. And later on Eyewitness News, an easy calm returns to the Krobo land following 24 hours of attacks on residents, attacks believed to be coming from military men. We're in the town today to speak to the victims. Stay with 97.3 CTF and for more on this and many other stories on Eyewitness News. And in the business... Economist Professor Lord Mensah calls Bax's calls for an audit to be conducted into total amount spent on the banking sector cleanup. That's in 15 minutes with Nashika Caesar. Eyewitness News is live across Ghana on a number of affiliate stations, including in the western region on Adrinpa 100.7, in Takwa and Beach 105.5 in Takrad. In the Bono region on Greener 95.9 FM in Suyan. In the Ashanti region we are on Focus 94.3 and Orange 107.9 both in Kumasi. In the Volta region we are live on Revival 99.3 FM in Tajevu and VOV Radio on 95.7 in Hohoi. If you go to the northern region, we are live on Radio Bimbila, 91.9 in Bimbila. And in the Upper East region, Quality, 88.7 FM in Garu is bringing you this broadcast. If you are in the Upper West region, where the President is currently touring, we are live on Tunsung, 97.3 FM in Wa. Let's head to for details of our stories now. And the first one has to do with the Youth Employment Agency. Uh, we actually be talking about that, but let's go to the northern region, where there was an attack on the NDC office there. Ellen has a summary of the story. Some unknown persons have fired gunshots and damaged property at the Northern Regional Office of the National Democratic Congress. Information available to City News indicates that the attack on the office is due to the appointment of a vice chair, Adolf Ali, to act as the regional chairman until a substantive chairman is elected. This follows the death of the party's regional chairman, Chief Alhaji Ibrahim Mubila. Let's listen to some sounds that we are receiving, um, in fact, in Tamale, having to do with the um, this attack that we are talking about. It has to do with gunshots by persons who are unknown, but we are told that they are believed to be supporters of one of the vice chairmen known as Vielim, that has not been proven yet. Now, the functional executives of the NDC last week appointed uh, the other vice chairman, known as Ali Adolf, as the acting chair. Uh, we are told that Velim and his supporters were not happy with that particular decision. And the boys who attacked the office, uh, we are told, uh, did not speak to journalists, but the video was captured. Let me play excerpts of what we recorded, or journalists recorded from the chair with us. Diamond FM, our partner station in uh, Tamale has this. 
So that's a video, a short video that we have, uh, which is a video recorded on the NDC headquarters presence. Let me bring you a few more, and in this video, people are actually engaging in vandalism. So a gentleman is seen carrying a bench, which he throws to the ground, attempting to break it. And it's happening in front of the party office. Other benches and the trees in front of the office have been destroyed. Plastic chairs have been overturned. So what we are just seeing there is a destruction happening right at the um, the head office of the or the district office. Um, so what I'm looking at and what you are listening to on radio uh, is the sound from the uh, vandalism at the NDC office in Tamil. Let's speak to our correspondent Diana Nguan. Uh, she joins us on the line. Diana, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. What do you know? Yes. What do we know so far? So, we don't know that some issues have been ending um, those afternoon storm in the office, that the regional office and vandalized properties are made. And we also understand they made away with some parties properties, including a laptop. And the process, we understand, is as a result of the appointment of one of the vice chairpersons, Adolf Ali, to act as the regional chair and so the party elected. Uh, a new regional office. And those decisions were, according to local executives, were, um, were taken as a functional committee meeting, um, following the demands of the regional chairman, um, Chief Alaji Ibrahim Mobila. According to them, the other vice chairperson that Alaji fire was not um, happy with the decision and opposed the nomination of uh, Adolf Ali to act as the uh, chairman and close party selection executive. And um, the issue currently has been reported to the regional police command. We were there, we saw some party executives and supporters there. The police are investigating the issue, but no arrest has been made so far at the uh, regional office. Office is locked now, and we saw some participants having the distraction that is here earlier today. Now, I'm just going to um, ask um, our listeners to indulge us so that I read the letter of the uh, Functional Executive Committee, uh, which actually made this appointment. Then I can come back to you, Diana. So if you could kindly uh, stay on the line. Now, the letter um, or the press release by the Functional Executive Committee of the NDC uh, in the in the re- Northern Region, issued on 18th August, said, The Northern Regional Secretariat wishes to bring to the attention of the teeming masses of its following and the general public through the media that following the demise of the party's regional chairman and pursuant to Article 5113 of the Constitution of the National Democratic Congress, which states, quote, 
if a vacancy created in an executive position at any level of the party in between national, regional and constituency conferences may be filled by appointment as follows. Where there are more than one vice chair or deputies, the party executives at the level shall elect one of the vice chair or deputies to occupy the vacant executive position until the next elections. Now, the statement continues to say that the Northern Regional Functional Executive Committee at this meeting held on the 17th of August 2022 endorsed Honorable Ali Adolf, one of the vice chair of the Northern Region, to assume the role of the regional chairman until the next elections. For the avoidance of doubt, the National Democratic Congress has no such position as first or second vice chairman position in its current executive structure. So this is a statement signed by Mohammed Abdul Salam, regional secretary, NDC. Now, um, and, and, and let me just say that in my earlier introduction, I said that uh, the persons who arrived at the, at the scene today to engage in the vandalism are believed to be NDC members. We have not proven that. Again, we are told that VLM, who is one of the vice chairmen of the NDC, we are told he was not happy with the appointment of his other colleague to be the acting chairman instead of uh, him. And we cannot authoritatively say in any way uh, shape or form that he is the one who sponsored this particular attack and we do not seek to make that statement at all. We're just uh, sharing with you uh, details of information that has been trickling in from the scenes. So, Diana, is it a suggestion that um, one party, the VLM person I've just mentioned, um, do we know whether his people do not think that there was an election at all, like the party's constitution provided, for which reason they are not excited and uh, possibly they could be behind what happened today? Diana, can you hear me? Apologies, I've lost uh, Diana Ngwande, um, who is a correspondent in the northern uh, region. But I earlier brought you sounds from the scene as recorded by partner station Diamond FM uh, in Tamale, which has um, sent reporters to the scene. The uh, youth who vandalized the party property did not speak uh, to the team of journalists that was there. However, the Northern Regional Secretary of the NDC, General uh, Mohammed Abdul Salam, has been speaking to journalists. Uh, I think we can listen to that audio now. What has happened for me is, is a pack of uh, uh, what I would call indiscipline, a bubbled ball of indiscipline instigated by one person who have very little understanding of our party's due processes. Um, you recall our chairman, unfortunately we lost our chairman. And, and in the processes, uh, people started arrogating to themselves certain titles that doesn't even exist in the party. Even before our chairman was buried, there was that claim to a title of being first vice chairman and uh, having a right of succession and all that. So this matter was bubbling up on the ground. So after the burial of the chairman, when the executive committee was were called to a meeting, at that meeting, 
Um, we discussed matters relating to the demise of the chairman and the need for us to have an arrowhead to lead us through the funeral because this was not going to be a smaller event. The funeral is going to be a big event and we will have all those who matter in the party and they say attending. Even Ghanaians from other political parties will be attending. So there was the need. Advice from the provisions of Article 51.13. We discussed that, oh, throughout the period that our chairman has been ill, it was Chairman Adam, one of the vice chairmen, who had the word of our ill chairman to sit in for him to manage the affairs uh, while he was uh, incapacitated. So he's been managing. So it is only appropriate that we confirm him to continue acting until uh, Congress. One person in the meeting suggested that, oh, uh, is it not the case that we may be rushing because the chairman had just died and uh, sensibility? So we said that, well, uh, that's another suggestion. Why don't we put it to a vote if some people think that we should choose and others think that because of the funeral we should delay? So we put this to a vote in accordance with our normal practices at meetings when there are two divergent views and there's a failure to reach consensus on what to do. So that vote was done. And uh, that's another suggestion. Why don't we put it to a vote if some people think that we should choose and others think that because of the funeral we should delay? So we put this to a vote in accordance with our normal practices at meetings when there are two divergent views and there's a failure to reach consensus on what to do. So that vote was done. And 95% of the people in the meeting said that no, there was the need for us to choose an ROA going into the funeral. So we then, in fact, I was the one who even made the proposition that Chairman Adolf, once he was already in an acting capacity, should continue. Then the Zongo Caucus coordinator seconded. Then we asked if there was another suggestion because the vice chairman are two. There wasn't any counter suggestion in the meeting. There was no proposal. So the meeting then accepted the position of Chairman Adolf should lead us into the funeral. So the other vice chairman then, Alaji Alasen, Rufai Jelem, then said he doesn't agree with what we have done. Then we asked, what is your reason? Oh, that chairman had just died. They said, oh, this is a meeting. So if we have followed the procedure, at two. There wasn't any counter-suggestion in the meeting. There was no proposal. So the meeting then accepted the position of Chairman Adolf should lead us into the funeral. So the other vice chairman then, Alaji Alasen, Rufai Jelem, then said that he doesn't agree with what we have done. Then we asked, what is your reason? Oh, that chairman had just died. They said, oh, this is a meeting. So if we have followed the procedure, if you have any disagreement, tell us what could have been done. He didn't. So we ended the meeting with the decision. We communicated it to the national level, a meeting and what we had decided. Even when our leadership came for the funeral, they had reason to ask, oh, it appears there was a rush in taking decision. What informed it? We explained. And they, they said, well, in fact, it was even proactive on our part to have taken those decisions to ensure that there's leadership as we are performing uh, the funeral.
Then post that you had people call with threats. We will not accept it. It is um, Jelum Rufai, who is the first regional vice chairman. And one chairman is there, the first chairman who is supposed to take over. He has somebody who calls himself his spokesperson, Titi Kamara. Write a long distance and share it with the media, share it even on WhatsApp platforms, as uh, the first vice chairman is the one who is supposed to take over. The person who have chosen is a federal chairman. I mean, these threats came even on uh, Saturday night. I had to call the police command. There are threats of vandalizing our offices. The police command placed men around the office. 24 hours, nothing happened. This morning, we attended about three funeral occasions in town. Some party members that we lost. Then I got a call. They went in my absence. My assistant who was there, they took his laptop that we've been working with in the office together with the bank, with some contents of other records, including even receipts of uh, the chairman's funeral that we did donations. That They took those ones away and did all this. Thing. So the police came. And uh, what we know is that what happened are criminal issues. So we are dealing with that one. At the administrative level of the party, if anybody is agreed with decision, the same constitution says that you use the administrative processes to appeal to the office of the general secretary. You don't choose to send bandits to go and put the party's name into this refuge. That in itself is another violation of the party's rules. As you say, I believe that the national executives are clothed. We have reported the happenings to them and at the appropriate time, uh, the right. We have given the footages, the videos, and the names, including those who and their contact numbers to the police. So the police will follow up and ensure that the right thing is done. So that's the Northern Regional Secretary of the NDC, Mohammed Abdul uh, Salam. Uh, this is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We have made attempts to hear from the police. Uh, we've not been successful in hearing if anybody has been picked up as yet. This is Eyewitness News coming to you from our studios in Adabraka, in Accra. We'll be back with more, including what the situation in Kroboland is after the soldiers arrived yesterday with the support of the ECG to install prepaid meters which were rejected and we told so many people were beaten up. Indeed, we went to town today and spoke with some of the victims. Don't worry. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. You're welcome back to Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. Let's go to the Bono region where we are told that an ugly incident uh, happened where youth in a community known as Diaba, in the Doma West District of the region, set a military base and an office of the Forestry Commission ablaze. Let's speak to the Regional Minister for Bono Region, who is also Chair of the Security Council, Justina Owusu Banahini. Madam, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you, sir. Please uh, fill us in on this uh, disturbing story, story that we are receiving. What exactly transpired? Thank you, my brother. Uh, good evening to the listeners and the cherished viewers. Monday, yes, uh, last Wednesday, at Diaba, a community close to the Mount West District Capital in Kankwanta, 
The DFF committee has forest reserves around and um, as part of the normal routine checks, the district officer for forestry commission, Mr. Ebenezer Usu and his team went on to inspect projects within that enclave. And so they realized there were this uh, motorcycle called Aboboya that were trooping in and out of the area supposed certainly to be the forest reserve. And so they decided to have a second look at it. They went in and met some people farming within the forest reserve. And so they realized that they have, they have encroached. And therefore, they beckoned them and asked them as to how, how they have entered the, the forest reserve to do their farm. So as part of uh, sending a warning to them, they took their catalogs from them and cut down about 20 pieces of uh, planting, planting trees, let me say it. And so by the time the people, the people came out, I mean the forest officers came out from the forestry, uh, from the forest, news had gone on in the community that the forestry people are cutting down people's farms and therefore the people were alarmed. At this time, the forestry officers had traveled from the Diaba to the district capital, which is about four or five kilometers away. And so it was there they got the wind that the youth in that community have parked or blocked the road, the main road, with their towels and burning them. So the police were alerted. The police went there. By the time the police came back to encounter to inform the uh, dissect, uh, they have raised down, the people, the group over there, have raised down the Forestry Commission office, a manager office, and military base accommodation that has been done for them so that they'll be able to protect human life and the forest over there. So for now, that's what I know. I see. And this happened on Wednesday? On last week, Wednesday, yes. Now, these military men, what purpose were they serving in the area? Is it part of the Galamse fight or is it rather a protection of the forest? Yes, it's about the protection of the forest. You know, as part of the Forestry Commission's activities, protecting their forest reserves. They have a task force. And that task force is made up of military, police, and the sort, I mean the servicemen. And so, on few occasions, they go around. But, you know, cutting the men from Sunyane, which is the original capital, about 100 kilometers away to the place, sometimes it goes with cost and other things. And therefore... The Forestry Commission, together with military, have put up a structure that, is how, that will house 30 soldiers or 30 task force men at a go. And that is what they raised now. Were all these 30 soldiers around as of the time the fire was set to the facility or they had left? No, the facility, that is one of the reasons why even the Forestry officers went there. They, they are done with it, completed everything. Oh, so it, it's not occupied yet? No, they would have done the handing over this week. So they went there to check the city, see that everything, because you see, the, the place has been furnished. There's water, kitchen, bed, everything that makes human occupancy perfect. That's what they went to do the inspection. So after the inspection, they've gone about four or five kilometers away to the district capital to inform the DC and the assembly that 
place is ready, and therefore they are ready to receive the soldiers. That was the very moment these people went to raise the structure down. The Forestry Commission office there, was it occupied by people at the time this happened? As at the time it was happening, there was no human being in. But as for that one, it is functioning. It has functioned for more than a year. Yeah. Okay. Now, why would they all abandon their post just to go and report a simple issue of a facilities ready, come and commission? Could they not have just sent a phone call to the people to let them come? Why did they have to abandon the post? For which reason someone comes to set it ablaze? Which which one which which particular project are you talking so, so about? So I'm a bit I'm a bit lost. You suggested that the forestry commission people went some five kilometers. Did you say to the district capital? Right. So let me try and see if I can make sense of what's happening now. Right. When they finished the uh, military base, mm. the forestry commission officers went to the district chief executive to tell him mm-hmm. that it was ready for commissioning, so he could come and do that. Yes. It was when they went away to inform him that the youth set the place ablaze. Okay, listen to me, my brother. Yes, please. We have Doma District Forestry Commission. The Forestry Commission is not... Uh, when we talk about Forestry Commission or Forestry Office, sometimes it's about three districts or four districts together making one Forestry Office. For instance, in the Bruno region, was the 12 districts that means the rural region. We have two forestry offices or districts. One is in Sunyane and one is in Doma. And that of the Doma serves the enclave between Doma East, Doma West, Doma Municipal Proper, and around Brekum. You get me? And so the district officers who reside in Doma Central, or they have their big office in Doma Central, have to go to Doma East and Doma West. And to do this, I hand it over. You get me? And the project is about four kilometers from or to the district capital. And you have to come to uh, Diaba before you go forward to the district capital. And so they've come to Diaba. They have seen and they are satisfied. So they were on their way or they are on their way to the district capital, which is in Kankwanta, to inform the assembly of how perfect the place is. That was when, while they were at Nkankwanta, uh, they were told or they had the information that the structure has been raised down. Yeah, so my point is that, why couldn't they do that via phone call? And did they all have to leave to go and deliver a message? That sounds to me like what happened in the past where chiefs will send a delegation to send a communi- communication to a so, community. My, my brother, you know, the Forestry Commission, they have done their project. And so the final inspection satisfaction and other things, then you have to, because the thing rests in the district, you can't go into the district without seeing the DCE. Likewise, coming to this region, you can't come here to do a program or a project without seeing the regional minister. So as of the time the place was being bent, there was no forestry commission official, or commission official around? No. How many no. forestry commission officers, officers are usually there? The officers are two. So only two officers at that place. Yes. And they both they both went to deliver this message. The district officer is precise in Doma Central, the Doma capital of Doma. Uh, the, the Doma municipal. And so he travels 
to Nkankwanta. But before the Nkankwanta, he needs his officers in the Diaba to inspect the project and also have a check of the forest. So once they were moving or doing their work, that is how come these incidents happen. So what's happening? What's going to happen next? Anyone been arrested? Uh, thank you very much, my brother. And so research has sat down and recommended that uh, we realize that most of the people who are logging inside this forest are foreigners. That is to say, they are not people or residents of the Doma area. That is one. Two, research is therefore recommending that uh, there should be a general stakeholders forum engagement to sensitize the people and how they can be vigilant and support the campaign to prevent some of these menaces. And I believe that we've also recommended that we should involve an especially in the more traditional area, to bring on board stakeholders who will support the system for us to work and work well and maintain peace and order. But no one will be arrested and punished for what happened? Yes, they will. It has also been recommended that the people, that's why we are doing facts and findings, facts findings, so that whoever becomes a corporate, he or she will face the full rigors of the law. Do but we... in the meantime, mm. I fear for the officers, who are especially the uh, district forestry officer and the accountant. So where are they? Uh, for now, they are in safe hands. They are here with me here. So they'll be at your place until a new place is built for them? Oh, not necessarily. How much did it cost us to build uh, that military base and, and the forestry commission? Do we, do we have a figure immediately ready? Mm, no, please. I don't have it. Has this happened in any district or region before, this issue of a military base in a forestry commission office? Oh, there are about three of them in Ghana for now, but being burned down, no, this is the first one. These people who did the burning, they are still unknown, are they? No, please. Very well. Thank you so much uh, for, for that, and we wish you all the best in your, in your hands for them. Meanwhile, is there anything else of interest in your, in your region that you want to share with us? Uh, the president hasn't come there yet, has he? Uh, what are the major things that, as a um, regional minister who is the president's representative, you can share with us what you have been busy yourself building for, for us in Bono region? Thank you so much, my brother. There are so many things going on. There are projects, and I believe when the president comes, you see for yourself. You want to list a few? Come again. Do you want to list a few for us, please? Oh, why do you want to take the soup before the food itself comes? Oh, for people, for people who are listening and hearing that the regional <laughs> minister is on, maybe you could share with us one or two things that are major highlights of your achievements then? Yes. The, the one that comes immediately is my airport, the first phase of the airport that has been refurbished and everything on, and by 9th September, God willing, we'll have a first flight after eight years of break. I see. Thank you for speaking to us, madam. Thank you, sir. God bless you, and thank you to all your listeners as well. Thank you, too. That's the um, Bono Regional Minister who chairs the Security Council there, Justina Usu Banahini. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM, coming to you from our studios in Adabraka. In Accra, as we talk about the president's tour, um, Ellen has a story for us on that. President Akufado has commissioned a 13-megawatt solar project at Kalu in the upper 
West Region. The completion of the over 12 million euro project is to increase the Volta River Authority's generation capacity to help improve the quality of power supply. Now, speaking at the commissioning ceremony, at Kaleo, during his two-day working visit to the region, the president said the completion of the solar project is consistent with addressing the effects of climate change. Kaleo has a dedicated transmission line that evacuates power from the current and future solar capacity at Kaleo to the grid co-substation at Wa. At peak sun hours, the Kaleo and Laura plants can meet the entire load at WA and its environs. This can make WA the greenest city in Ghana. The completion of the Kaleo solar power plant is consistent with Ghana's nationally determined contributions to addressing the effects of climate change. Ladies and gentlemen, now chairman, since 1961, when the nation started commercial production of electricity, almost all the generation assets, with the exception of the Bui hydropower plant, have been located in the middle and southern parts of the country. We have thus taken upon ourselves, as part of our development trajectory, to bring some of these sources closer to the north, thereby opening up additional opportunities in our regional development journey. The Volta River Authority has been one of our main vehicles for improving access to electricity and related developments, particularly in the northern parts of the country, and it will continue to do so. It completed the first solar plant of 2.5 megawatts in Navrongo, way back in 2013. Under this government, we have successfully completed a 6.5 megawatt solar plant in Laura, which I personally commissioned. Today, we're here signing off on this 13 megawatt addition. This particular project in Kaleo commenced concurrently with the Laura project in September 2019. And initially, the combined capacity of the two projects was to be 19.5 megawatts. Today, I'm reliably informed that through the diligence of the Volta River Authority and the implementation of some technical improvements, the projects now have a combined capacity of 22.8 megawatts. Congratulations to VRA management and their technical teams. This increase in power generation in the Upper West Region is evidence that the region's industrial and socioeconomic takeoff can now accelerate. Industries and other facilities, which before time could not be established in the region, due to unavailability of reliable and affordable electricity supply, can now be assured that there's enough energy capacity to meet their industrial, leisure, and domestic needs. I'm happy to announce that even as we commissioned this project, 
The construction of another 15 megawatt plant has already begun. And funding has been duly secured from our partners, the German Development Bank KFW. We expect that in less than a year from now, the contractors will complete that as well. And we shall all gather together once more to witness another historic milestone. Without a doubt, the benefits of renewable energy in our part of the world are immeasurable. In addition to the preservation of the environment, the continued availability of the sun throughout the year at no extra charge reduces the current, the recurrent financial burden in delivering electricity in our nation. Renewable energy is an answer to poverty eradication, improved livelihoods, and a catalyst for socioeconomic development. I encourage international partners who are seeking to invest in other sectors of the country to work with the Volta River Authority to develop more of such projects in these environments. President Akufado speaking there. This eyewitness news on 97.3 CTF and we are coming to you from our studios in Adabaka in Accra. My name is Umaru Sanda. I'm here with Ellen Dapa. When we return, we'll take you to the Krobo land uh, where soldiers arrived yesterday and we told they shot and injured lots of residents. At least seven people are on admission at the St. Um, Martin de Porris Hospital at Agomenia in the eastern region. Eyewitness news. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. You're welcome back to Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM coming to you from our studios in Adabraka. In Accra, uh, let's take you to the Eastern region now. Uh, for the City Newsroom on City TV, I visited Nwasu uh, near Kbong in the Eastern region to interact with victims of yesterday's gunshots in the community. Gunshots attributed to members of the Ghana Armed Forces who had accompanied ECG staff to install prepaid meters, which we are told were rejected by residents once more. Uh, subsequent to that, some of the cables were removed, transformers were switched off. I spoke to some of the victims. Let's listen. I heard that SOS came around, but I was not serious on what they were saying, so I went to buy food. So I went to the top to buy food. Ah, I, was, I went to the top to buy food. I was giving the woman the money now at once. A gunshot on my hand. Wow. I was like, the money for, and then the woman packed her things, and then the woman started running. Before I was seeing her, the serious, like, attackers. I was like, hey, serious attackers. So I started running, and then one of my brother removed his top, and then tied my hand, and took me to the hospital. In your house, when they came, about how many soldiers were they? Oh, they were many. They were many. Did they lash anybody? You saw? Were you lashed yourself? Yeah, I was lashed. What were they using to lash the people? It was a certain copper wire, like a wire, thick wire. Now when they, now they lash you, and like, I don't know how it is. When they lash you, to like it immediately now uh, you get wound. When they lash you, immediately you get wound. I don't know how they can. So you said they lashed you too. Yeah. Part of your body did they hit? They lashed my hand here and then my waist. Yeah. So, so there's a mark there. Yeah. Was that also treated when you went to the hospital? 
No, that was not treated. So when you went to the hospital, what did they say? Did the doctor say it was true there was a bullet? Yeah, they said it was a bullet. Among the persons who are victims of the incident on Monday is a physically challenged man who we're told is a cobbler in this community. We're told he was also shot. Uh, we've come to his house now to talk to him. Um, Well, the onslaught on the community members yesterday by soldiers, we're told, was very widespread to the extent that on a random walk around town here in Noaso, you could uh, meet people who are ready to tell you what happened to them and the injuries that they suffered. So I told my wife to fetch water for me to bath. Oh, so they fetch water at the bathroom. The bathroom is at the roadside. So I was standing there to go and bath for. The time I realized, then they came to attack me, started beating me. In the bathroom? In the bathroom, they beat me. They beat me at oh. For now, I'm, I'm sick. What did they use to beat you? Oh, you that that talk it through, and uh, the gun under to beat me. They take the catapult, shoot them. I did from my motor inside. They beat me. Who, who beat you? It be the soldiers. Where they beat me more than ten. But who used the catapult? The soldiers. They use catapult. catapult. So you where they beat? Which part of your body? They my, my 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 eyes and okay. my my part of my body. I go fishy. I go fishy. Okay. My shoulder, my knee here. They already beat me. What, what did they use to beat you? They use firewood. Firewood. The, the soldiers use firewood to beat you? It's firewood they used to beat me. And, and these wounds that I'm looking at here, this one, what caused it? If I would know where they cut, they beat me. So they use sticks to beat you? Yeah, sticks they beat me. You didn't do anything to them? I didn't do anything to them. I'm a driver. And, and your eye too, what did they use to hit you? It be the stick now. So did you go to hospital? Yeah, I'm going to the, I'm going to the hospital. I go to the police station. I take a medical form. They give you a medical form? Yeah. Where did Where the medical form be? It did from my inside. Yeah. Okay, make us see. Okay, so this is a Ghana Police Service medical form. Yeah. Um, so this is St. Martin de Porris Hospital, Agomenya. Um, it's, a, it's a reference to St. Martin's the Poorest Hospital to examine you, James Tete. So you went to the hospital, and what did the police say? I went to the hospital. The, the hospital, yes. I, I went to the hospital. I went to the hospital. Did you go on Monday or today? Today, well, I won't go. But the doctor says the money could collect. I don't have some. That's why I do go treatment for the drastic itself. So you go drastic uh, by yeah, medicine. medicines. That's why they give Jensen Violet. Jensen Violet, if anything. And they are me successfully. 
So those are victims of yesterday's attacks on residents of Nwaso. They say they were attacked by soldiers who were supporting ECG staff to install uh, prepaid meters. We also caught up with the chief of Nwaso, Nene Obwahini III, who is um, chief of Nwaso Kolinya. He was uh, touring the community when we caught up with him. Let's listen to this interview I had with him. We are going to appeal to the uh, manager so that he give you give us some little time to educate our community members to enable peace to prevail. We are ready to assist them in doing anything so that next time when they come, nothing should come. Will happen again like that, yeah. But then they came to connect the electricity on Friday, yeah. then they came on Monday to come and connect the prepaid meters, yeah. and then hell broke loose again. It means that your subjects don't want prepaid meters. Well, that's what others are saying now, but we've seen that you know the illiteracy rate is very high, mm-hmm. so we have to go how to how to educate them more okay. so that they, they understand themselves. So at the traditional ruler, you agree that people should pay for the electricity they consume? Why not? And you will tell them to do that? Why not? We have to educate them to do that. Mm. Yeah. Your community members are not happy with the presence of soldiers in the town. What is your own view? Yes. Even myself, I'm not happy. But you see, at times, uh, situation demands. Because when they come and you don't do anything, I don't think a soldier will touch you. But the moment you start doing something or harassing them, they will also show their powers. Mm. And I think that's how things are moving now. A lot of your subjects say they did nothing. They were just sitting in, by the road and they were told to go into their house and sleep. Is that, has that report reached you? Precisely. But I think they started firing. So they are preventing them. That's my point of view. Mm. So that bullets shouldn't touch them. This is my point of view. So it means that your community members were also shooting? Oh, no. Okay. No, 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 okay. no. So the soldiers were firing to, in order to protect themselves. That's it. That's what I've said. I wasn't there myself. Okay. You've heard the Nene Obwahini III, who is the chief of Nwasu Kolinya. If you want more sounds and sights from Krobo land, do tune to City TV at 8 p.m. tonight on DSTV on channel 363 because we have comprehensive coverage of the aftermath of what happened there plus the way forward as we went to that community to bring you stories. For now, though, um, we have to bring in Nashi Kasiza, who has the latest in the world of business. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Get the details every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. Time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News, sponsored by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Nashika Caesar. Let's settle for the details now. A banking consultant, Nanotui Champon, has stated that it is imperative for the Bank of Ghana to take measures to reduce the supply of money within the economy. This comes on the back of the central bank's announcement to raise the primary reserve requirement of banks from 12% to 15%, a move that will be implemented in a phase. 
Despite this, the business community has raised concerns, stating that it will create a harsher business environment. In an interview with City Business News, Nanotui Champon said, although the move is undesirable, it must be accepted. Well, it's a move that they have taken to ensure that the liquidity in the system is kept in check. And that's why they didn't, and the effect on it naturally is that interest will be higher because what it means is eventually uh, for every 100 cities that the bank raises, uh, 15 cities will be kept at Bank of Ghana at nil interest rate. So they will have available 85 cities, but the 85 cities will be priced at 100 cities. So uh, in some way, it makes uh, loans a little bit dearer. But it is necessary to for, for that beta pill to be taken now to keep the system in check. This is in the short to medium term. In the long term, uh, it will find its level. And if they feel that it's been able to take the level that they expected, then I'm sure it will come down to the 12%, which is the prevailing rate at the moment. Uh, it's something that is a necessary evil, one will put it. Nanotui Champon is a banking consultant. Now, an economist and lecturer at the University of Ghana Business School, Professor Lord Mensah, has backed calls for an audit to be conducted into how much was spent on the banking sector cleanup. According to the Finance Minister, Ken Furiata, 25 billion cities were spent on the cleanup. However, Vice President Dr. Mahamudu Baumia, given a conflicting figure, stated that it cost governments 21 billion CDs to complete the exercise. The inconsistencies have increased calls by stakeholders, especially civil society organizations and the minority in parliament, for a thorough audit to be conducted into exactly how much went into the cleanup. Professor Lord Mensah, speaking to City Business News, says it is crucial for an audit to be carried out to bring clarity to the matter. One information out there as to how much was spent on the banking sector cleanup is uncertain. I mean, different figures are coming out. What reflects in the budget sometimes is different from what are quoted on political stage. And so, once you have this uncertainty, definitely any rational agent will ask for, I mean, a probe into as to what the exact figure is. And possibly, I mean, publish it for public consumption. Every day we expect that as a country, the writing is that. So if you spent a certain amount on cleanup and you are parading different amounts, of course, um, it, it sends a signal that the economic indicators that we see in terms of our expenditure and then our revenue might not necessarily be the truth. And so um, it is very, very important because the cleanup, I mean, falls on, on our debt and while our debt is going up, and at the end of the day, we have spent certain amount, and uh, we're calling a different, you know, phantoms on different stages. May sense a basket now, so even in the investor community, they're getting to know what actually the economic indicators are. So, uh, for me, whatever figure that come out, if it turns out to be different from what is being paraded, then heads must grow. Professor Lord Mensah is an economist and lecturer at the University of Ghana Business School. Now, post-harvest losses in the country are expected to reduce significantly as the Peasant Farmers Association of Ghana and the Ghana Police Service are collaborating to mitigate the menace. 
Long stops at police checkpoints have been reported as part of the major reasons that lead to spoilage of truckload of food items. Further worsening the post harvest losses challenge in the country, which currently stands at about 30%. Speaking to City Business News on the sidelines of the launch of a road safety flyer, President of the Peasant Farmers Association, Wipia Aduwala, stated that he was confident that the collaboration will improve the situation soon. We are looking at getting the police involved so that we can collaborate with them to help us carry the right documentation so that when our drivers or the farmers are on the route with the full staff to the market, then we should be able to get there on time, not to be unnecessarily harassed or monies being extorted from these farmers or the drivers cutting our food to the, to the, to the various market centers by the Ghana Police Service. So I think it's been a fruitful engagement. We started last year. We are drafting a flyer to look at certain regulations. And that is why when we met here, the director of the MTTU, was here with us. He has taken us through some of the things that are very, very important to help us achieve this. The whole purpose of this exercise is to ensure that our foods from the various farms and from the farm gates is able to, the food staffs are able to get to the market centers on time to reduce post-service losses. Mind you, we are in difficult times. This is economic crisis and when you delay these things and then some of them get spoiled, you can imagine the, the prices too. Because when monies are extorted from these farmers or the drivers, and we also get to the market, some of our farmers are also tempted to look at whether they can increase the prices of the food staffs in order to make up for what they have lost to the police service. And we think we are already in difficult times, so we should not be compounding the situation. Look at inflation. Food inflation is almost driving the main inflation, as we are being told by the Ghana Statistical Service. President of the Peasant Farmers Association, Wepia Adukwala, there. Now, finally, the Ghana Cocoa Board has announced that purchases for the 2022 light crop season will cease at close of business on Thursday, 8 September 2022. According to the board, returns on the declared purchases will be accepted up to 4 p.m. on Thursday, 15 September, in order to assist the licensed buying companies, LBCs, to obtain the final returns upcountry. Ghana's cocoa season runs two cycles consistent of the main crop season and the light crop season. Harvest from the main crop season is mainly exported, while harvest from the light crop season is discounted for local grinders. The light crop season usually lasts for about 11 weeks from June to September, while the main crop season lasts from October to May. That's it for City Business News and Eyewitness News. It was powered by your most comprehensive business website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Nashika Caesar. Up next is Point Blank. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens.
This is Point Blank on Eyewitness News. I am Omar Rusanda. Tonight on Point Blank, we're talking about the Youth Employment Agency, YEA. The YEA, which first started as NYEP, became JIDA, is known for creating modules for jobs. Youth in this, youth in that. The latest youth in this is youth in chips compound. And it appears persons in the health profession, especially nurses, are not happy with that plan. The YEA says is rolling out a plan to recruit 5,000 senior high school graduates, SHS holders. Or SS Wasi Wasi holders to work in chips compounds. Chips compounds are those health centers you have in communities. Kwesi Efriye is director for corporate affairs and communication at the Youth Employment Agency. Uh, Mr. Efriye, welcome to Eyewitness News. Uh, thank you, my brother. Good evening to you. I hope you're doing well. I'm doing great. Uh, tell us what this idea exactly is. <laughs> So um, to start with, I like the name you give them, uh, Youth in Chips Compound. Uh, we don't have anything like that. We have a um, community health worker program. So we have a lot of uh, modules of that sort. We have youth in appreciation, youth in health, youth in uh, Greek, and so on and so forth, youth in sanitation, uh, youth in security. But we have specific names for those programs. So under the Youth Insecurity Program, you will see that we have the Community Protection Assistance, popularly known as the Community Police, uh, that's within the security sector. Um, under our forestation, we have had a partnership with the Forestry Commission where we have uh, youth in our forestation. Um, we have had something like the Community Education Teachers, uh, popularly known under the Ministry of Education. Currently, we have had a module like the School Support Program, also under the Ministry of Education. And so currently what we are rolling out, uh, which we are talking about, is called the Community Health Worker Program. And we want to lay emphasis on the Community Health Worker Program because of the discommunication uh, and misunderstanding and the conflict that is uh, coming up um, or seemingly coming up with some of our stakeholders. And so... The program itself is community health. Because see, your audio is sounding your audio is sounding hollow. I don't know if you changed uh, the the uh, means. I think my location, but um, let me see if I can work on it. That's fine. So, so you can submit uh, while while you work on that. Yes, mm. you can you can continue while you you try to reposition yourself. Right. So if it is better now, um, what I was saying is um, the community health wake up program. We want to lay a focus on the fact that it is a community health wake up program. It's a UN-supported program, a program that uh, emanated from the World Health Organization. So uh, that's WHO, not UN, and also supported by the International Labour Organization through its International Standard Classification of Occupation, ISCO, uh, which began in the year 2012. And the African Union has actually accented to it. Our Ministry of Health has accented to it the... Um, Parliamentary Subcommittee on Health has also accepted to it, and we are the agency that's supposed to rule it out. The uh, entirety of the program suggests that 
there are remote areas in some parts of Africa which needs access to basic healthcare delivery. So the program from the WHO is to ensure that there is universal healthcare, and that's also for emphasis, universal healthcare delivery for every part of Africa. And so there are about 2 million young men and women that are being rolled out in various countries to augment health delivery primarily in, in the very remote and rural areas and also in preventive healthcare. So that is what we are doing as a youth employment agent. We have done this before, and currently we are rolling out for 5,000 young men and women. And our focus has been on, we've seen people talking about the fact that it's for SHS leaders and so on and so forth. We don't want to call them SHS leaders. We want to call them SHS graduates. These are young men and women who are aspiring to become professionals in the health profession, uh, i.e. become medical officers as in doctors or nurses or midwives or any of the professionals that you can find in uh, the health sector. However, you will find most of them having one challenge or the other. Some of them don't have the requisite certification or have a defect in their uh, senior secondary school education results. That's the worst thing. Some of them have also passed. Uh, but lack the funds to be able to access the tertiary education and become necessary. So these are the young men and women that we are focusing on that as mandated by the government of Ghana through parliament. We will be able to support everybody in the country. So not a particular group of people, not a particular set of people, but once you have an aspiration to work, we as a youth employment agency should be able to support you whichever way. And, and these are young men who are looking through uh, to see to these opportunities. Okay. And these are the ones we are helping to. So, so, so let me uh, let me just try and get a few things clear. So right. you are targeting students who are about to finish what, uh, the senior high school? No, we are targeting those who have completed. And uh, so you have to first complete and have a WASI certificate? You have to first complete and have a WASI certificate. And yeah. you, you must have offered something related to health, as in science, no, human economics, or what? You just need a passion uh, to be in health. You don't necessarily must have read something like science or anything within. So you can come out with visual arts, and uh, if you, you are interested in being a nurse, then you can be uh, rolled onto the program. Exactly. Today we talk about people who came out with business. I, and I in the fields of theology. We talk about people who came out with visual arts uh, okay. and are in the fields of engineering and so on and so forth. And so, and, 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 and so how, how long will they be doing this for? So when we enroll you, as mandated by uh, our act, we, roll, we stay with you for two years. After the training and deployment, you will be on our module for two years. Within the two years, we're expecting that you would have acquired enough um, practical training and if you were, you had any problem, for example, with your certification, you would have corrected that certificate so that we can also give a recommendation to the Ghana Health Service, uh, when, um, applications are going on to say that you've worked with us, you've gone through proper certification, you have been able to correct or rewrite the exam papers that you have not been able to write well. And so you should be considered for entry into any of the nursing training institutions we have in the country. So you are targeting only people who failed the AWASI? We are not targeting only people who failed the AWASI. I've given an example of people who also didn't have funds to be able to access uh, the tertiary education. So there are a lot of people who are in the system that have the aspiration of becoming nurses 
or have the aspiration of getting into the health profession one way or the other, not necessarily to become nurses or doctors alone, but to work in the health sector. And these are people we are targeting. Once you have completed the senior high school, once you have the passion to get into the profession, we are opening the portal for you. Please apply and get enrolled, and let's let be, be able to work together and support Matagana. But they would be restricted only to the chief's compounds, which is like the first or basic unit of Ghana Health Service um, facility. Yes, primarily so because not only to the chief's compound, but within the communities and the very remote communities. And I'm sure that we can all agree that you have the major hospitals and the clinics in the metropolitan assemblies. Yes, so what I need to know is that are you going to restrict them to chief's compounds or you send them to clinics and maybe um, district hospitals? No, none of them is going to any district hospital or any municipal hospital or even a, a regional hospital. Would they go to a polyclinic or a clinic? They will not. They will be at chief's compounds and community? Chief's compounds and communities. That's the focus of it. How much would they be paid? So as it stands, um, it's currently under review. You know we have a new chief executive officer and uh, all of these things are under review. We are still progressing. But um, usually the allowances is around 400, between 400 and 500. That's what I am anticipating. But this one is not officially confirmed yet because management board are sitting on all of these things and reviewing and looking at the current economic situations in the country and how we'll be able to support these young people. So up to 500 cities a month? Technically speaking. What would they do in the chips compound? Their job would be what? To carry medicine to... I'm happy you asked this. We want to lay emphasis on the fact that these people are not doctors. They are not nurses. They are not health professionals. And that's why... I stated to you, to you earlier that they are community health workers. And uh, for emphasis again, the fact that it comes out of uh, the WHO and so on and so forth. So they are going to engage in preventive health care, basically preventive health care. For example, to go into houses in the various communities to educate them on primary uh, health services. Um, for example, we are in the rainy season. I'm sure we can all be talking, or we will all be talking about cholera, outbreak of cholera very soon. And now we believe that if we're able to go into households and educate people in their houses on the fact that you don't have to defecate anywhere, anyhow, at any time. Um, if you go out to town and come back, how, to, how you need to wash your hands. When corona uh, pandemic was out there, we needed people to go into houses to train people how to wash your hands, how to do this, how to do that. So there are basic activities that they are going to do okay. nothing in competition with any health professional, for example, the nurses, midwives, and uh, the doctors. They are not going to do injections. They are not going to do uh, administration of drugs. They are not going to take temperatures and so on and so forth. But they are okay. going to assist these professionals, for example, take a folder for me. For example, I'm taking a temperature. Take the thermometer for me. These are the basic health care services that they are going to offer. All right, uh, please stay on the line for me. I want to ask the people who are in the profession what they think of this idea of yours. Um, David Tinkranchum is General Secretary of the Ghana Registered Nurses and Midwives Association. Uh, Mr. Chum, you're welcome to Point Blank on Eyewitness News. Crazy idea or wonderful one? <laughs> good evening, my brother, and good evening to your cherished listeners, and good evening to my brother on the call. Um, as far as I'm concerned, perhaps they are backtracking their earlier position. I was listening attentively and to 
whatever the young men uh, and women that they intend to train will be doing, as you asked, what they initially stated was that these people will help nurses with services, including recording medical history and symptoms, conducting physical examination, and providing simple bedside care to patients. Now, these things are different from what it's alluding to now. So it should tell us here and now whether they have backtracked from their initial position. Uh, Mr. Kwesi have you changed your mind after the backlash? Communities or corporate affairs for the youth employment agency. And I am telling you here and now that this is the concept of the community health worker program. You have never at any point mentioned what he just said. We haven't. Not at any time at all. No problem. Please stay on the line. If if there are reports of that, I'm sure it may be a misreporting on the part of it because the documents we have, the documents we work with, we have had collaborations with the GRNME on the side. It doesn't, it doesn't see what he said. Okay. Okay. Please, please stay. Uh, Mr. Chum, so he has given the assurance that the plan is in the document and it doesn't include what you feared would be in there, which means then that, or oh, that having been taken care of, you should be fine with the plan to deploy these 5,000 people to assist in the communities, correct? I must admit that I didn't hear him after I posed my question. No, he said, okay, so he said that they have no such plans. He did not communicate same to anybody whatsoever, no official of YEA has. Perhaps you may have read a misreport or a report that was uh, wrongly done by a journalist, but to the best of his knowledge, that's not part of the plan. And I'm saying, if that is the case, then you should be satisfied with a plan to roll out or deploy these 5,000 people to assist in the chief's compounds and communities. We don't need those people to assist us in the chip compound. As far as I'm concerned, of course, you should know the personnel that works at the chip compound. All of them are necessary midwives. Okay? So if they are deploying any group of persons to come and work there as assistants, what we are trying to say is that we have enough community health nurses in the system waiting for employment. Government should employ them. They can deploy them to other areas. They can so choose to deploy them to go and rear chickens. As far as we are concerned, we think that human life is precious. And I want to say this fairly. You see, the, the, the distance between life and death is like a gutter strip. And Ghanaians must be very mindful. You see, we think that nursing is, anybody can do nursing. Or services that are rented by nurses is so cheap that any Tom, Dick, and Harry can do the same. What I want to emphasize is that, look, we will not allow why to dilute the nursing profession. Because you see, when people, when somebody works under me, I'm, I'm, I'm responsible for his duties, whatever he's doing. If anything goes on toward, I should be held responsible because I'm supervising directly or the person is working directly under me. They should listen to reason. We think that this is unnecessary. It's a drain on the taxpayer's money. Recently, when we met the finance minister, he was saying that, look, now we are going to uh, match productivity with wages and salaries. When you train such half big individuals, how do you expect productivity? Then you turn around to accuse the ordinary worker 
the Ghanaian worker that he's not being productive. I think to me it, it's unnecessary. Okay. okay. And 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 it, it, it lacks. Yes, David. Were you going to say something before you went off? Yeah, I think. I mean, it, it, I, I, well, either he has backtracked or not. I think that is unnecessary. The, you still, you still, you still do not like the idea. Okay, thank you, I thank think you. A brilliant idea. It wasn't well thought through. I oh. mean, it lacked the uh, efficacy and, and, and uh, policies. Thank you. That's David Tinkranchum. He's general secretary of the Ghana Registered Nurses and Midwives Association. Christian Free, you are going to dilute the Ghana Health service system with this your plan to send i don't even think he said half baked maybe you can call them <laughs> unbaked people into the health service uh, he says you can send them to red chickens that would be better than bringing them to take care of human beings you have insisted that they are going to just engage in education and all of that but again don't forget you've also mentioned that you are targeting people who have failed their wasi someone who failed their wasi you expect them to be good at teaching people in the community about cholera and other things? So, uh, let me let me make it clear. I did not say that we are targeting people who have failed their work. No, you, you did not. You said it's one of many. So, you are targeting people one who have many. not gone no, to university, people who have... No, I'm just saying... Yes, I'm just saying that you are targeting but, people who have not but, made it to tertiary. Let me just yeah. summarize. If it's wrong, tell me if it's wrong. You are summarizing yeah. people who have not made it to tertiary. You're summarizing... Uh, you're also asking to recruit people who have not done well in their WASI, so that when they work with you for two years, they go and write their uh, remedials, and when they pass, you tell Ghana Health Service to recruit them in, in the nursing in, training in, schools. That's what you summary, said. In summary, we are not targeting people who have failed their WASI, yeah, because I, I enumerated a number of people that will have the opportunity to apply. Including right? people who failed their WASI? Of course. Once, once you, have, you have not gone into tertiary and you are home, um, there is a possibility for you to apply and mind you we are going to do shortlisting and do verification and so on and so forth so it is not and let's let's lay, lay, make it very clear to the public that it is not necessarily for people who have failed their work but of course you want to a Ghanaian and once you qualify as a YEA standard we will engage you and don't forget that we are doing this under the auspices of the Ghana Health Service not uh, unilaterally we are not doing it because we are not masters of our own and so you can't do things within the health sector without the Ghana Health Service and the Ministry of okay. Health. However, let me come back to my brother David's comments. I think that um, some of his words are very much uncovered and uncalled for and not very civil on a national radio like this. To think and to say that SHS graduates should be led to go and red chicken instead of getting into the health sector, I think is an affront to young people who have the passion and have completed senior high school and have the passion and the leverage to want to work, work in the health sector. So maybe when you get him back online, I think that to um, make, make us all support and have a very uh, friendly, friendly conversation and very good conversation, words like SHS graduates going to rest again instead of coming to the health sector. Really doesn't help. Okay. Uh, let, let me ask another person who is also in the in the system, and I will give you the final word. Pascal. Right, right. Pascal Adumbisa is national president of the Ghana Nurse Midwife Trainee Nurse Association. So these are the students who are currently learning to be nurses. Pascal, you're welcome to Point Blank. Oh, thank you very much. In two minutes, what do you make of this idea? Yeah, thank you very much. 
the decision of the youth employment agency to recruit and uh, to train senior high students to assist the next community health planning and services, which we term as the chief compound, which forms as the basic structure for the health delivery or the health system in Ghana here, is something that um, we as trainees don't support. Because you you do support or you don't support? I said we don't support. Why? Good. That is why I'm now coming to elaborate on. Because now looking at it, the youth employment agency is saying that they want to recruit these senior high school graduates to help nurses with services like recording medical histories, conducting physical examinations, and providing Yeah. So looking at it, we have over 1,727 nurse clinical assistants and then preventive who are at home. So if government is saying that they want to train senior high graduates in three weeks' time to assist nurses, when we have nurses who have completed, who have gone through the regulatory body, which is NMC, the Nurse Ministry Council, and have been trained, who are waiting recruitment from government, and you are abandoning these people and you are saying that you want to uh, train people who have just completed secondary school to go and assess somebody. It's something that we, we should look up to. The assessment of a person, looking at the anatomy, the physiology of a person, doesn't take three weeks to train someone to be able to do that. Okay. So as our mother association, that is Ghana Registered Nets and Midwives Association, GRMA, has even come out with a release Speaking against the uh, decision of here to employ senior high students to assist nurses. And now, NMC, that is the Nurse Ministry Council, is a regulatory body, that is the examination body, who is responsible for training uh, nurses. They are not the people who set the examination. And it is NEC, that is the nurses educated group, who are responsible for training the nurses and then the midwives. Now, the GMA is saying that they are kicking against this. And next, who is the next educated group are under GRMA. So it means that these people are also refusing that they won't train the senior high schools because they're looking at it that it will put a lot of threat because you can use three weeks to train somebody to go and assist nurses in the world. Okay, thank you, Pascal. Pascal Adumbisa is national president of the nurses and midwives who are under training in the various schools. Let me conclude with Kwesi. Kwesi, you have 30 seconds. Um, do you agree that it's a misplaced priority like the Student has just said there that there are nurses, thousands of them, who have been demonstrating. As we speak, there's a flyer that I have seen that nurses, those who have been employed, have not been paid. Those who have finished have not been posted. As YEA, and considering that you are supposed to hire youth, why don't you focus on employing those who have got the relevant diplomas and degrees to be employed in the health sector and not to bother the senior high school graduates who are focused on going to the tertiary institution? Thank you very much. Clearly, it looks as if, um, or it's very clear that um, the GRNME and the people you just spoke to don't understand and haven't taken their time to analyze the context of what we have put out. I already explained to you that they are not going to take records. They are not going to take temperatures. They are not going to operate on people. They are going to assist and they are going to go into the communities and households. Which doctor that is in the theater will have the time to go into any household to go and educate on cholera, or to go and educate on uh, whatever that we are talking about. So clearly, 
they don't understand and they don't want to understand. They have not taken their time. T- talking about understanding and not wanting to understand, did you, secondly, prior to, to secondly, uh, just a minute, talking about not understand, did you engage these groups before you came out with the announcement? I am telling you that we are working in high collaboration with the Ghana Health Service, of which they are part. But you have not engaged the, the registered nurses. Yes, I'm saying that we are working under the auspices. We have engaged them. And aside that, we are working under the auspices of the Ghana Health Service. We are working in collaboration with the Ministry of Health. So how is this so? Are they telling us... Did, did you engage the Ghana registered nurses directly? We have engaged them in several levels, not um, currently as we speak. But we have and their president seems unaware and not sure what... No, they, he is. He is. My brother, you can go to 26th of August last year by this time. We have conversations like this and we have meetings like this. So it is surprising for them to come out now to say that they are not aware, first of all. Okay. It is just a matter of the fact that they don't want to accept what we are talking about. So they are twisting... They are twisting what we are talking about. Let's, 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 let's leave it for here, uh, for, near here for now, I beg it, rather. Um, we'll come back to you because I think that there's more to be heard sure, from sure, this sure. issue I, and there'll, I, be, I there'll be more. So, thank you. Let me make one, one last statement. In, in 10 seconds, if you can, otherwise. Yes, 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 yes. The fact that I have a PhD or I have double masters and I don't have a job doesn't mean the young man who has just completed a senior high school or junior high school and it's a, in a different category from mine and not going to receive the same salary and attention as I will, shouldn't also have a job. Very well. Thank um, you. Let's, let's leave it there. I'm, I'm sorry we have to end it there. Kwesi Afriye is Director for Corporate Affairs and Communication at the Youth Employment Agency. My name is Umaru Sanda. I'm at the production by Sixtus Don Ulu and Beverly London. The technical support from Daniel Squashi. We return tomorrow at 17.30 GMT. Thank you for listening. Good night. Reach our hotline on 0302-224959 and get interactive on Facebook, City 97.3 FM, and on Twitter at City 973.